Welcome to No Plans to Merge. Uh, actually, we have a new tagline this week. I don't remember it? it. Oh, somebody. Did you write one down? Oh, I even forgot his name. Let me just look it up. Um, so this guy. I, li- I like when they give us taglines. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. If anybody wants to tweet at No Plans to Merge a tagline, we'll say it. Unless everybody tweets and we can't. Well, we'll say everyone. Why Unless not? it's really bad, though. Unless it's <laughs> We might not say it. <laughs> That's true. Oh, shoot me in the dupe. Don't um, promise. Don't promise to say things, like, in vain. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like, All we right. can't say everything. Um, I cannot find it. How sad. I'm so sorry, whoever <sighs> tweeted at us. Okay. Oh, no, got it. Ross Wintle says... Uh, they have a new uh, i'm writing a new intro for no plans to merge as they have a new usp quote so let me start this over welcome to no plans to merge the only podcast where two developers talk about anything other than code for at least 20 minutes (laughs) (laughs) well played ross well played i'm your host caleb porzio i am your other one daniel colborn and uh so here we are daniel we, we are. do not have a topic for this week. <laughs> we don't, but looking at my desk, I do have a mini topic. Oh. Soldering. Oh. All right. You solder? Have you soldered? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you soldered? Tons. <laughs> what I have used you to soldered? Be, there was a period in my life. Did you make guitar school. pedals? No. No. Okay. I made like... So, in, in middle school, I had this spot in the basement like this entire room and it was just filled with circuitry like old computers and basically like any Mm -hmm. circuitry i get my hands on and i I like like every day i was down there basically trying to learn electricity i thought i was going to be electrical engineer i went to college for it and then i dropped out right but so anyway arduinos and um whatever all sorts of of things like led cubes you ever see those those are cool no but that makes sense that's cool yeah stuff like that anyway yeah so i've done lots of soldering probably huffed way too many solder fumes in my day yeah but why do you why do you bring it up i've been soldering okay Um, i have never soldered okay in the past i have soldered like in brief moments like i've re-soldered a quarter inch jack on a guitar yeah yeah okay like those types of like yeah macro soldering yeah uh, is what i would call that right mhm um but i bought some pcbs for a keyboard ah the ergodox you're building the ergodox not an ergodox oh, that's fine this is called a this is called a nyquist keyboard it is also a split keyboard um it is also an ortholinear split keyboard okay um but it is not an ergodox because the PCBs for this are like twenty bucks, and the whole the case is like ten dollars or something. Sweet. So like, it just was a really cheap project to make a split ortho ergo keyboard. Yeah. So it's an experiment, and if I like the process, I might build an ergodox. Um, cool. So anyway, I was soldering, and I soldered all of the diodes in the right places. And I soldered all the resistors in the right places. Are they surface mount or do they, do they, are you like sticking wires through the PCB? Through hole. Okay, cool. Um, soldered everything all up and it came time to solder the, so these are split PCBs. Um, so they're reversible. And so what you have to do is reverse one of them, 
because the left and right hands have to be mirror images of each other. Hmm. So the PCB, you you order one, you order two of the same exact PCB? Exactly. Oh, that's cool. And then there's a place where you solder a resistor only on one of them. And by doing that, you define which one is the the like oh, left-hand one. Yeah. And the left-hand one becomes like the master, and then the other one is like chained to it. Okay. Um, so the, anyway, so, but it's basically, you just flip it over. So you're soldering to the front of one and the back of another. Yeah. Okay. Um, because they are the same PCB. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I guess having inhaled a few too many solder fumes. Yeah. Soldered the, so there's a TRSS connector, um, which is like a, like a headphone jack or something okay um that connects the one side to the other side okay and there is a um there's a reset switch that you solder to both of them and i soldered them to the same side of both boards when in fact i should have soldered them to the anyway so wrong long story short you gotta desolder i have to desolder now with a solder sucker do that with a solder sucker or with some braid, some copper braid. Okay. That was my nice. theory, was that I was going to use some copper braid. Yeah. Caleb, you live in a town, right? Uh, yeah. You, yeah. You're in your town, right? Yeah. And you've got a project that's almost done. Yeah. And on your lunch break, uh, you're going to grab lunch, and you're like, I'm going to stop in somewhere and buy copper desoldering braid okay where is that place this is a this is actually a particularly uh sore subject for me um (laughs) really yeah like growing (laughs) up i couldn't like i I would go online and like anything everything i wanted was on digikey or Mm -hmm. uh element eight or what i don't know i forget the the names add a fruit stuff like that it was all online and like mm-hmm. every item super cheap so cheap you could get like exactly what you needed on digikey but i had to go to radio shack which had mm-hmm. like nothing which doesn't even really exist anymore so doesn't that's out anymore. but so like even right like I, I would say oh go to radio shack but you might there's like radio shack is totally consumer and there's that one corner with the rack with all the components mm-hmm. that a five 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 timer that costs you like five cents on DigiKey is like four dollars at Radio Shack. Such a yep. highway robbery, but that's gone, so that stinks. So you need desoldering braid. Your best bet is like, I mean, you live in Asheville, so maybe there's some like, I don't know, electrical wholesaler or something. I don't know. At Lowe's, try your best at Lowe's. You could probably get something there. So I before I even left the house, I looked up all of the local hardware stores and searched their inventory. And none of them, because you can do that on the internet. Yeah. And none of them have it in store. So Sad. hardware stores are out. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make... Make your own. Uh, there was a time in my life where I needed a lot of limes for a taco gig. <laughs> um, and we didn't have any limes. And we went to a grocery store and bought all their limes and it was only half as many limes as we needed um they didn't have a lot so we need we were probably like 15 limes short of the goal 
and I lived in New Orleans at the time. And so my task was to run around to local bars and bribe bartenders to sell me limes from the from the, like the fruit box yep. under the bar. Yeah. <laughs> um so I tried that approach. So I was like I'm going to oh, get nice. someone I'm going to go to who uses desoldering <sighs> wick. You know? And so I'm buzzing along to my sandwich shop just keeping an eye out for along the way is there a store that uses desoldering wick? And I see the amp shop on Haywood custom amp repairs sweet i'm like this guy has desoldering i just want to pause and say this is brilliant so i walk into the amp shop on on uh haywood and there's an old hippie guy wearing like a custom tie-dye shirt that says the amp shop and he's got one of those visors with the light on the front oh yeah Uh uh-huh that telegraphs like i own desoldering wick you know yeah and I walk in and he's like, hey, what can I do for you? And I'm like, this is a good sign. Everything's going well. I'm like, hey, I was just wondering if you would be willing to sell me just a tiny bit of desoldering wick because I made a soldering error and uh, I don't want to wait for shipping. And he said, no. <gasps> no way. And I was like turning on all the charm, being as like friendly and like, we're all in this together. Like, just help me with a little project. Like, I'm willing to overpay you for six inches of soldering, of desoldering wick, you know? Right. This is unbelievable. He, he didn't, he wouldn't do it. And, like, I know he's got a bunch, you know? Wow. Like, anyway. Uh, so I left there. I went to two other places on my way home that day. One was, like, a a used appliance repair place. I was like, maybe they solder boards. They don't. Yeah. But they sent me to their friends who were an appliance, like parts dealer. And I went there and they don't have it, but they said there's a welding supply store that would have it. But I haven't gone there yet. Interesting. In in the meantime, I just ordered it on Amazon. So long story short, I have a badly soldered board here just awaiting just awaiting some so wick from in Amazon. my prime i didn't have uh-huh. solder suckers or wicks uh-huh. and i would just heat it up and like whack it against something to try to like there's too many so each of these things has four solder points okay so i don't think i can i'm only using oh, a soldering you, iron i don't have a heat gun or anything you need to do four different you need to heat up four at the same time uh-huh. Or have something that, yeah, that can remove I've solder. definitely been there, and this is like where I, <laughs> so like thirteen year old me is holding the whatever you had the IC or whatever the chip, mm-hmm. and is burning like, your fingers. <laughs> yeah, that, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, trying to hold like as much of the plastic as I can, and like holding the soldering iron to one lead, or like bridging it across, across two, two leads, and then yeah. prying open that one side up, mm-hmm. and then like getting it up a little bit, then heating up the next side and prying that and then heating up the next side until you get it out and then it's all gross and you have to like heat it up and wipe it with stuff or hit it against something. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's, that's no go for you or. Uh, I tried that, but I was like, I only have one of these. I don't want to break it. Yeah. That makes sense. So I got nervous. Yeah. Oh man. Crazy stuff. Yeah. That used to be my life. That was, 
That was my it's thing. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it is. To solder. It's good it's good to do a small detailed fine motor control thing every once in a while. Yeah. Definitely. You have a third hand for one of those like you know, they're, they're like alligator clip machine with uh, I don't magnifying glass. I should those get Those are one. cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. Then I could really say I have like an electronics bench. Yeah. I think that's the key feature of a bench. I would love someday when I have, when I own more than a two bedroom apartment that I don't own. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I will, I will return uh, right now, I packed it all into a series of tool, like fishing tackle boxes. Uh-huh. Um, so it's pretty cool. Like it's this old school tackle box, and I open it, and all the layers, like you know, unfold. Oh yeah, they like accordion out. Yeah, and it's like most of the components you need, and just like a basic breadboard and basic soldering gear and stuff like that. Pretty cool. Yeah. Do you follow any of the hardware stuff, like uh, Arduino's or Raspberry Pis or any of that stuff? casually i encounter them i encounter any news about them pretty much just being in my normal places on the internet have you ever messed with them yeah i have a raspberry pi um and this keyboard is using these two uh arduino microcontrollers they're cool um but uh, i've never really played with arduinos only raspberry pis and only really from a software angle i did use the uh the raspberry pi camera module okay at one point to i was trying to build a face detection uh doorbell oh cool uh so i got it doing facial recognition and then sending a um sending a http request when it recognized your face um but it i never bought a doorbell that could be or a door lock that could be opened yeah. with, um, with an HTTP request. So my goal was like you would walk up, press a button, it would take a picture of your face. If you were in the list of approved door openers, it would unlock the door. Yeah. But A, it didn't have like infrared or anything that could stop you from just using a picture of the person. Hmm. And B, uh, it, I could never open a door from the internet. So yeah, that that was where that project died. Makes sense. Makes sense. When we when we were uh, kids, my brother and I, he he was um, from like birth. He was into woodworking and pretty much all things mechanical. And sure. so we had this this basement. And this is, I mean, he had to be like, I think he got a a, a miter. He got a bench grinder for his like like sixth birthday or something like that. Want to take a quick second to get my facts straight. I'm editing this podcast and I'm thinking, six years old, there's no way. So I decided to go straight to the source and give my dad a call. So here we go. Um, I have a quick question. You remember when you bought Brock a bench grinder for Christmas or something? Yeah. How old do you think he was? Um, well, here, here's how... Here's, here's how the progression in my mind of how this all went. When he started pressuring me for tools, and I thought he was just way too young, I bought him a cordless screwdriver. Oh, yeah, the Black, the, and Decker, the Black and Decker one. You know, it, it didn't go away, and he still pressured for more. How that old do you think he was when you got him that? I want to say six or seven. 
Okay. All right. So I'm not totally off. I'm going to say, I'm going to say very yeah. And then my next thing that I remember buying him was the sander, not the bench. Oh, the vibrating oh, palm like sander. palm sander. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that's safe. I could do that too. So I worked up to the bench grinder and the bench grinder wasn't even that big a deal in fact i probably got him that before we got him his first saw nice good stuff i assume you're working on uh, your speech no i'm working i'm actually editing a podcast uh, no plans to merge podcast right now and um and i was i there's a part in the podcast where i say yeah and my brother brock got a bench grinder he's like six and i'm editing and i'm thinking there's no way like i'm probably way off so i thought no i'd way. call you but um, but I, I wasn't too off. Not crazy. No, you weren't too off. And it helped to go through the timeline because those are the things I remember. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I actually hit the record button, so I'm probably going to put this conversation or part of it on the podcast. So. so well, one of these days I'm going to have to actually listen to the new, the new one. Yes, you shall. i to download it. <laughs> yeah. I bet that part doesn't make it in. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> who knows alright sir alright buddy uh, I'll talk to you soon see you bye guy enjoy bye bye some incredible age you have to have an incredible amount of confidence in your child's like I know re- responsibility it's... level yeah he was them... a pretty responsible kid but yeah yeah my my parents they they were pretty cautious but like like we got knives really early on because we really wanted them but my dad would take them and Go to the concrete and just rub the blade on the concrete, <laughs> and then give them back to make to them us. dull. Yeah, they were just completely dull, but we didn't care. We we had like knives. You had knives, but um, yes, yeah, so we were really young, and he was into woodworking, and I was into electronics always. Like I, it was me with computers and electronics, and him with woodworking, and now he's a HVAC guy, and I'm a programmer. Um, mm-hmm. And so we teamed up on this project. The upstairs tenant from where we lived. He was a security, um, uh, he worked for Doyle, like a home security company. Okay. Um, and he installed like security systems. So he had all these extra security systems, uh, like home security systems just around yeah. and he would give them to us. And I never, we never really did anything with them, but one time we got it working somehow. He would get, he gave us like, you get this battery pack. He would give us like a battery pack and this big motherboard looking thing. And then you could just read the little leads and they told you like, here's like plus and minus. So you, you know, you screw in the plus and minus. And then he gave us uh, infrared motion detectors that can hook up to these things. So we basically had these like full on home security system uh, setups for free that he just gave to us. And we barely knew how to hook them up. Anyway, he made this gun cabinet. We had BB guns. So he made a gun cabinet out of wood and it was like really nice. And then I wired up these, this home security system for the gun cabinet. Um, yeah, to detect, uh, like an intruder. So if you, he had a lock on it, but if you opened it and you didn't know the code, then it would like sound off and you know, it was super cool. It was like one of, I don't know, super cool, cool, like childhood memory. Yeah. I, uh, there was this guy who used to drive me to school. We carpooled, uh, his daughter went to the same school that like me and my sisters went to. Um, and it came about through like morning conversations with this guy that he was a hacker, mm. uh, and spoke at DEF CON oh, wow. and stuff. And, uh, he ended up giving me my book, giving me like a book he had written and all this other stuff. 
his name's Johnny Long. You can look him up. He's very cool. Uh, he wrote this book called No Tech Hacking. But uh, he gave me... Do you remember the Fonera routers? That sounds familiar, but this no. This was a thing... Uh, so this was a company that was like... It was a Spanish telco um, that wanted to basically have control of a lot of the places people used the internet, which today is like, duh, right? Yeah, uh-huh. But then it was just like, what are they really getting out of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so they were giving away Wi-Fi routers that were like better than normal Wi-Fi routers. Mm. Um, and they would give it to you for free. This is back when not everyone had Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just plug it into your, um, you just plug it into your, to your internet, and then you have Wi-Fi. Uh, but the deal was that you had to share. It had it created two networks, and you had to share one of them with other phone users. Hmm like other Fonera users. So it created basically like a mesh network, kind of like the Xfinity networks that you see everywhere, where uh, people who have Comcast, it creates a private network for them, but also a public network for random Comcast customer who may be nearby. Yeah. So this was like the first stab at that idea. Okay. And there were just these little white routers. So obviously instantly people hacked them. Yeah, uh, right. And figured out how to install Linux and stuff on them. Nice. And uh, people were using them to build uh, like Wi-Fi pineapples and all kinds of other. Yeah, like, I, I remember the Wi-Fi pineapples. I never built one, but I, I definitely fantasized about it and followed that pretty closely. Yeah, so Johnny Long wouldn't give me a Wi-Fi pineapple, but he did give me a Fonera router and was like, you can make a Wi-Fi pineapple out of this. Sweet. And then I like missed, I like didn't do it for like three weeks. And he was like, if you're not going to do anything with that, give it back yeah, to me. Uh-huh. And so then I just gave it back to him. Shoot. Yeah. But that was like my opportunity to do something really cool. But I did end up making a uh, USB switchblade, which was another oh, nice. Hack 5 project. Yeah. Okay. And, and going to school and like escalating account privileges on my on my school <laughs> login account at, at, uh, at school and not getting in trouble, but not really doing anything with the privileges once I had them. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely made my hand my fair share of uh, USB. I don't know if I mean I I didn't do the actual Hack Five Switchblade. Um, mm-hmm. That's funny though. Uh, for the listener, Daniel and I both came up on this like internet TV network called Revision Three with a bunch of these Revision shows 3. for young geeks like ourselves. Um, yeah, H- Hack Five was like pathetic to watch. I I always hated watching it because they were so nerdy, yeah. so obviously uh-huh. nerdy and awkward. Uh-huh. Um, where like Dignation was, they were just dope. They you were, could, you know, they yeah, were, you could imagine they were super, cool. they were super yeah. cool. Yeah. They were geeks, but they were really cool. Um, yeah, I, I made like a, and by make, I mean like Googled and downloaded and then just like mounted a image onto this thumb drive. Um, but a, uh, like a, a keyboard, uh, key logger uh-huh. and, uh, and maybe maybe one that you plug in and it just like I'm pretty sure somehow it like got most of your passwords that were stored on your Windows machine. I don't know yeah, how. So and the but. way that those worked initially, so SanDisk back then made these USB keys that when you plug them in, like that they had software pre installed on them. Yeah. So like Oh, they and would it auto like ran or something? 
Yeah. yeah. And so the way that it worked is it mounted as two devices, not just right. one. And one of the devices was a CD drive. Okay. And CD drives could have an auto run dot DLL. Ah. Uh, which w- so when you put in a CD ROM, remember when you like put in a CD ROM and the game would just start yeah, because yeah. the CD went in. Right. That was because of auto run dot DLL. Mm. Um, and so because these SanDisk drives pretended to be a CD drive so that they could auto run their own software, people basically hacked them to inject their own auto run DLL so they could auto run their own software. Sweet. Um, and so, yeah, you would put your payload on like the USB mass storage part of it. And then you would put your, just an auto run DLL that like ran a shell script that hit the payload. And so then you would just plug it in. And it would think it was a CD. It would run the autorun.dll, and then whatever you put in your shell script would execute. That is so cool. And so there were people who made payloads for dumping all the Windows passwords. There's people who made payloads for, like, if there was a vulnerability. Like, there were a lot of vulnerabilities in XP. Because mm-hmm. uh, not everyone was going to Service Pack 2. Service Pack 2. <laughs> people didn't believe in Service Pack 2 for a while. If you're not on Service Pack 2, man. Yeah. And so this is Service Pack 1 when, like, you could... You know, there's just vulnerabilities where a dime a dozen. Yeah. Um, and so you just walk up to any old XP machine and plug it in and it would ba-dum, 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 and you would end up with uh, passwords or an escalated account privileges or whatever. Or you could install a keylogger, you right. disable antivirus, do whatever you had to do. That's beautiful. Oh, man. Those are the days. Really beautiful. Yeah. One time I, uh, I don't know how I found this out, but... Like, so USB, the moment I realized that a USB port is four wires and two mm-hmm. of them are just power, positive and negative mm-hmm. five volts DC, and the, the middle two are the communication. And so I'm like, wait a minute. So I could take a USB port. I could, I could take a USB cord, snip it, get the four wires, take the two power wires and hook it up to a light bulb. So I literally, <laughs> I, I hooked it up to an incandescent light bulb, a tiny one, like a tiny yeah. little one that would like light Christmas up from Bible or something. Yeah. Something like that. Christmas bulbs are, I think they require like the full, uh, like hundred whatever volts. But uh-huh, so this was uh-huh. a tiny little, whatever. Um, and, and I plugged it in and it worked and somehow it lit up and it was just, it's just electricity, man. I know it was this moment of like, holy crap. I just made a light bulb USB thing. And and then the guy who gave us our computer, he, he was like a family friend who was just far ahead of us and would give us his hand-me-downs. Um, he came over and was like livid. He's like, you are going to fry the motherboard. And he, I don't know. Yeah. It's just this moment of like mixed shame and pride, you know, at the same time. But also you weren't going to fry the motherboard. I didn't. He said I would. Yeah. And it didn't. But he was wrong. He was wrong. And you were right. But I could see that, you know, I'm sure there's lots of things to protect things like this, but plugging in an incandescent bulb that wants to draw like lots of uh, amperage from your USB port. <laughs> yeah, no, I can see it. I don't think it would work though. I think the USB controller is smart enough to not fry itself. Hopefully, who knows? Yeah. I bet you could mess a USB. You could mess something up if you like forced voltage right. down it. Yeah. yeah, but not from its own voltage. I don't think. Yeah. Who knows? Electricity is so weird. It's so it weird. weird. Like the the notion of like, oh, force electricity in a USB port, but that's not how electricity works, you know? I don't know. Sure. But if you had like 
if you were adding electricity to a circuit, right? Like maybe you if had a you, capacitor or something that you were charging up from somewhere else yeah, and yeah. discharging it. You know? Yeah, the thing I always, the thing that's I think is like messed up about the way they teach electricity in like tech class is they which or may physics. be my, why I'm misunderstanding how this could work. No, I I really it's pathetic how how little like how poor of an understanding of electricity I have. So I don't even know, but I know this that they they give you the metaphor of water in a hose you know mm-hmm. and then like a resistor is like uh, crimping you know the the hose mm-hmm. a little bit making the hose more narrow yeah like a transistor is like a valve on the hose and a capacitor would be like a bucket that the hose sure. you know with another hose going out um and they use that you know example and like voltage they say like voltage is the speed of the water going through the hose and amperage is the amount of water like the width of the hose Sure. And that all seems well and good. But if you mm-hmm. apply that to actual electronics, everything breaks down because that's not how it works. It yeah. electricity draws. Like like it's like electrons like fill a vacuum. It's not there's no force pushing. It's like mm. a potential difference, you know, like voltage is a potential difference. It's like anyway, and so I remember being in like early EE classes and having this realization and it sort of fixed a lot of my bad bad habits around like making I don't know circuits and stuff interesting the yeah. uh, my most expensive electrical mistake ever, which is not even that expensive and not even that electrical uh, turns out if you buy the Linksys open WRT 1900 ACS router <laughs> a very good router um. It has a power brick, and that power brick looks exactly like every other 12-volt power brick. Yeah, okay. But it is not. Uh, and if you plug in a regular 12-volt power brick, which has the same connector oh, no. into that router, uh, say, for example, you unplug your router and modem at the same time to reset your internet, yeah. and you oopsie-doopsie plug them in back to the wrong things, Yeah. your router is now at like a $250 brick instantly. Wow. How is that possible? Yeah, that's why. Like, how can you create a $250 product and not just, like, either change the shape of the port so that you can't do that? Yeah. Or B, like, put something in line that's like, hey, am I getting the wrong type of electricity here? Yeah. You would think. That's crazy. You would think. Why the U.S. government didn't mandate, like, a standard uh, power connector I don't know. Or why we didn't all just agree on not having a bunch of different diameter, like, you know, power brick things. You know, like the basically what yeah. you're describing. Like, that. that's like half of my childhood frustration is like, you go to the giant bin of power bricks and you sort through hoping you find one not, that fits. They're not all the same. Right. And then you get one that like fits in the inner thing, but like doesn't touch the outer thing or like it's, yeah. you know uh i recently i just bought a new razor because i lost the charger for my electric razor and i looked up the charger on amazon and it was 30 dollars. and there was like a brand new beard trimmer that i could get for 40 and i was like this one won't have all the hair and goo and <laughs> that's worth 10 dollars. <laughs> i'm just gonna buy it yeah that makes sense i used to buy printers the canon like cheapo canon printers after fiddling with you know printers for a while, it's just like, I should just buy the cheapest printer ever. And because printers suck and they all break anyways. Um, so I just bought like the, tw- it was like a $25 no frills USB wired printer from Walmart. 
and the sure. ink was I think as much or more, but it came with ink. Right. So I would just return the printer and buy a new printer when I needed That's ink hilarious. or donate the printer, you know, it's just like, yeah, but they don't have that one that cheap anymore. And yeah, you know, you know, there's like these whole websites where they like teach you how to like pirate refill your ink cartridges. I used to refill my own with a syringe. Um, it reminds me so much. Uh, were you ever involved in graffiti culture, Caleb? Probably not. I don't know. Okay. I watched the Banksy documentary. (laughs) In graffiti culture, there is a common practice of refilling things with ink. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. So like... Like off the shelf, like aerosol cans, spray paint? Yeah. So you buy spray paint and then you run it out and then you refill it. That's one thing that you can do. Um, But the more interesting and more common stuff is like... Like, you know, those car, like, uh, happy graduation car window markers. Yeah, yeah. That people use. Take those, dump out all of the bad chalk ink that's in them, and then you get, like, some nice India ink or something oh. and fill them with India ink. And then that's how people do, like, those big drippy tags that you see on things. Right, right. Like, a lot of those are done with those. People make, I mean, the, it's, it's a beautiful, uh, section of the world of like creative like making things out of nothing yeah if you go like on the internet and like research graffiti implements like people make mops out of soda bottles so they'll take a soda bottle fill it with ink and then they'll take like a roll of gauze and then they'll roll it super 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 tight and then shove it into the mouth of the soda bottle um and like now that's like a huge marker oh yeah totally um wow so that's that's something people do uh it's just it's crazy people make all kinds of crazy stuff that's super uh, cool and but one of my favorite things i saw was uh people people used to refill uh sharpie wide tip markers um and they would drill holes in because the wedge was a little bit too tight Mm -hmm. for anything except for like that alcohol-based ink that's in them oh so they would take them and they would drill like little holes through the Just wedge to make it more porous. Of, like, of like the Sharpie like king size markers. Wow, you know? yeah, yeah. And then they'd fill them with white out. Huh. Um, and so that way you had like a white paint marker basically that you could like, but that it had a cap and like all of those nice things that Sharpies have as a default. Thing. Right. Super interesting. That's um, crazy. But. When uh, when I saw like people refilling ink cartridges, it just like instantly reminded me of like graffiti artists like refilling things with different inks and stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. I I I have no window into that world. I I bought. I remember like thinking like, okay, ink super expensive. These ink cartridges are just crazy expensive. You know, there's got to be the internet's probably figured this out. So I bought um like you can buy bottles of ink pretty cheap. They sure. come in these like, I don't know, 12 ounce bottles, eight ounce bottles. And then you get a syringe that you can like, you know, draw it mm-hmm. out. And then you get custom cartridges for whatever model you have of printer mm-hmm. um, that have like a spot for you to inject the ink in. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I messed with it a little bit, but it, it never, I never got it working well. It was like, oh, I fixed ink. You know, it was like, huh. yeah, I forget yeah. why I abandoned the pursuit. One, it's well, messy. I definitely made some messes. Point. What's that? A lot of those cartridges are smart cartridges too. Yeah, yeah. 
They, I mean, that, they, I these ones are were. I think they, maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I kind of wonder if the cartridge itself, like, was like aware of how much ink had passed through it. That would be the smart oh. way to do DRM, right? Is like it only has this much ink in it, and it can only ever pass this much ink through it. Hmm. You know? Yeah, interesting. How does an ink cartridge measure capacity? Yeah. That's a question I would love to know the answer to. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. This, yeah. This, uh, Side note before we leave graffiti. Yeah. We can move on. Okay. Uh, so, you know, have you ever seen how people like uh, tag on like U.S. Postal Service labels? No. Okay. So this is a huge thing. So you go to the U.S. Postal Service and you can go on their website and you can order uh, flat rate shipping labels. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you can order 10,000 of them if you want. And they're you free. Can, there's limited quantities. You have to like order okay. them in batches. Well, I yeah, definitely. Anyway. I'm no stranger to the flat rate shipping box and labels. But go on. Uh, so that's what people do is they get a bunch of because they want to make stickers. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. And they don't want to pay to make stickers, so they order hundreds or thousands of uh, U.S. flat rate shipping labels. Uh, and then they tag those. So if you go any city in America, go around and look on light poles, and you'll see U.S. Postal Service shipping labels with interesting graffiti on them. Because people sit at home and tag 500 of something, throw them in their backpack, and they just go around town slapping them on light poles. <laughs> um, and my question is, and I would, I have no idea how to know the answer to this, what percentage of the U.S. shipping labels that are created are used for graffiti <laughs> versus what percentage are used for mail? Because I think it's probably close to 50-50. Wow. That's crazy. Like, it is huge. Huh. That That's anyway. a good loophole. Um, I I like the UPS ones better, and it's the mm-hmm. same deal with UPS. They, they actually deliver it to your door. If you have a UPS account, you can go to like the shipping supplies area and there's a bunch of things that cost money but then there's these labels that don't cost any money and you can add them to your cart and then check out and they're they have full page ones and half page ones so you basically can get a full full page of perfect sticker you know like perfect Mm -hmm. so i have a bunch of them and i use it for shipping everything that i ship like amazon returns and i just cut off the for ups only on the on the side and uh we should just make our no plans to merge stickers on that would be phenomenal labels this is uh yeah oh man that'd be really good i never thought to like print things on them and then like cut out that print or make like Like, a die that i could like a stamp press thing that you could just like hammer out your stickers like a cookie cutter yeah right yeah a cookie cutter that would be sweet that would be that'd be really cool huh interesting in in an alternate universe i think you and i are both um like just general makers that that just like oh, for sure have yeah, like yeah. loads of we have like 3d printers and we have cnc machines mm. and uh do you see tess hemphill yeah what is that called post it's a x carve it's a cnc it's a cnc router for the listener tess hemphill is david hemphill's wife and David she Hemphill tweeted, of, uh, "Just Whip It" fame. Yes, the David Hemphill, the one and only. Um, oh, there's probably more, but uh, yeah, Tess posted a video of their new X Carve, which looks awesome, and I'm so envious. Yeah, it does look awesome. 
uh, for the listener, the X carve is what is the X carve? It's it, like a CNC, basically it's a like CNC, a. It's like a home sort of a prosumer consumer uh, CNC machine from Instructables. Nice. Um, and so it is probably two feet by three feet. It's like pretty decent desktop size CNC router. So it's basically a spinning bit that is controlled by software that you can use to cut things out of things. So it's cool. I saw this cool um, CNC type thing on uh, a tested. You ever heard of tested? Adam Savage took it over. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So tested, tested was in that family of like shows that I like. Make Make Magazine like used to have like their online like weekend projects that I used to watch, and then um, Instructables and Tested, and a bunch of these other like shows that they did. You know, stuff like this. Yep. And Tested was pretty cool. They were nerdy and like not great actors and whatever, but they looked like they were having fun. And then, I mean, this I'm totally going on a tangent here, a Tested tangent. But then one day, all of a sudden, that's kind of tangent. They rebrand, and Adam Savage is the host, like out of nowhere. And I'm like, this is so dirty because this is going to yeah. get super popular, and everybody's uh-huh. going to start watching this, and they're going to think this is Adam Savage's thing. But they basically surrendered the the this little baby that they've been raising, and it was there. It was like <laughs> these two guys were the hosts, and they were just yeah. like, okay, here, Adam and Jamie, you you can have this. I'm sure they paid him a ton of money, and it was a big opportunity, but. But it right. was like, it's like awkward for me to watch these episodes where Adam's like running the show and they're like awkwardly right, right. standing by because they're nervous because it's Adam Savage. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, they did this, um, they they demoed this CNC machine that you can buy and it's really cheap and you assemble it yourself and the concept... Is it the Shapoko? What is it? Is it the Shapoko? I don't know. That's the one that I've looked at pretty extensively so this one you you have to buy a four by eight piece of plywood okay so you buy a four by eight piece of plywood and you stand it up so it's like you know facing you whatever yeah you you see this so this machine tell the listener there's two anchors on on the top corners of this four by eight piece of plywood so it's the four by eight piece of plywood like let's say i'm holding it because my arms are eight feet wide and i'm holding it in front of me like a giant you know, sheet. And so I place it Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at four corners. Right. And so the top two corners, you put in this like anchor thing and there's, um, stepper motors in these, in the corners. And then there's a chain that comes down and it makes a V. And at the bottom of the V is the actual cutting mechanism mechanism. I missed the emphasis on the syllable, the cutting Mm -hmm. mechanism that then, um, okay. So I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's two chains. Is it two chains? Okay, it's two chains. It's two chains from the top two corners. Yeah, yep. Uh, and then the plywood is not perfectly vertical. It's at a slight back yeah. tilt. Um, so there's a heavy cutting mechanism uh, that is basically held off the ground by the two chains, but pulled by gravity into the piece of plywood. Yes. And so as they pull on the two chains, it moves the cutting mechanism around the plywood. Right. So instead of having uh, like your normal two axis CNC machine, this is like a weird. I mean, I guess it is two axes, but it's it's weird. It basically yeah, it's done by gravity. Yeah, it's right. It uses gravity, which is super cool. And there's just two stepper motors that that know how to adjust 
themselves to draw stuff uh-huh. with this uh and it's really cool and you can cut stuff out you have to have an eight or a four by eight piece of plywood and you're cutting things out of a four by eight piece of plywood you know but um super cool they made like a sword or something like that it's really cool a sword what a sword a sword yeah <laughs> what's uh what's the one shape shapeo key shapeoko it's like the x-carve the x-carve and shapeoko are kind of competitors the shapeoko was first and so they've had a few more iterations okay um but basically it's the same deal it's like a desktop cnc machine it comes in a box like you have to build it all out yourself it's just it comes with just a bunch of rails and a motor Mm, cool um and i think the shapeoko i forget if the shape i think the shapeoko actually doesn't come with a cutting bit you get like a DeWalt router and it has like a holder for one. So you just drop a DeWalt router into this thing and it basically like turns it on and off by cutting power to it. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's great. I think that's brilliant. I do. I love that. Um, Yeah. It's really cool. Nice. So it's basically just rails, stepper motors and a cutting surface. Yep. Cool. And a little bit of how, how is it cheap? Did you say how much it is? It's not it's not cheap. I think it's a thousand dollars or something. When can someone make something for cheap that I can buy? <laughs> so I've seen people make their own uh by just getting the the rails and motors and building their own. Yeah. Um the cheapest version I've seen get made um was actually although I don't remember how much that hanging one was, but I've got some disbelief about that working all the time yeah it looked like way more trouble than it's worth cool proof of concept but yeah i mean it just looked like it would hit a snag and then it would throw a router <laughs> you know like like it would hit a knot in a piece of wood and something would get caught and there's nothing holding the thing right on that axis so it might just throw it across the room routers are the scariest tool like they're yeah. even more scary to me than like a table saw they're so freaking <sighs> fast and yeah and they've got like a gyro motion to them that makes you feel like you could lose it yeah right because they the one way like the way you're supposed to cut is like the router spinning against what you're cutting but if you accidentally or whatever like grip wood the wrong way and it it'll just like accelerate your movement Uh you know yeah they're freaky freaky things i had a router bit break on me last year building the teardrop uh for the listener I was building. It's still in my parents' garage. Sorry, Dad. Um, but you're no longer building it? It's just there? <laughs> I'm just preoccupied with other things uh-huh. at the moment. Um, I did cut him a deal. I he I told him if uh, told him for every month past July that this thing is in his garage, I'll give him 500 bucks. So And he made me film nice. it. Um, nice. So I have to get it done. But there's you have tons to. of routing, way more routing than I've ever done or wanted to do. Um mm-hmm. And I broke, I broke a bit and it flew off and that is terrifying, like super terrifying because I didn't really know what I was doing. And then I got, cause you can't go too fast, you know, um, or too deep, you know? So then I started doing it in stages, like Mm -hmm. route and then like crank it down a tiny bit and then route and then down a tiny bit and then route. So slow, arduous, super loud, scary. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, Side note from about the uh, Arduino thing or Raspberry Pi. There's a new Raspberry Pi out and I forget what it's called. Shoot. 
if you go on Raspberry Pi, whatever, you'll find it. It's ten dollars, mm-hmm. and don't look it up. I need you I to just absorb, absorb. I'm listening. This. I need you to hear it from me, so you can go ooh from me. Okay. So, ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. Bluetooth, mm-hmm. five hundred twelve megabytes of RAM, mm-hmm. an SD card slot. Okay. A HDMI port. Whoa. Maybe even an Ethernet port. Maybe not. That's crazy. Definitely a USB port. Mm-hmm. For ten dollars. That's insane. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's crazy. We can buy Linux boxes for ten. This thing is so small. It's a mini each uh-huh. HDMI port. It's so crazy small. There's a five dollar version without Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, I think, but like nobody cares about that. It's like ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Bluetooth, Wi-Fi. You have a full Linux machine with Bluetooth and Wi-Fi for ten dollars. That's insane. So you could stick your, uh, say you had like, so you've got Bluetooth to your mouse and keyboard. Yeah. You've got Wi-Fi to your, to your thing. Yeah. Uh, is there power over HDMI? Is that a thing? Oh, I think there I is a spec was. for power over HDMI. That would be sweet. I doubt because if there was, then you could just plug this into a monitor and be going. Right, and be going. How sick would that be? Um, but if not, then you would need to, yeah, uh, have a USB. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is USB to charge it. Right, right, right. But most TVs have USB out, like you can power something with USB. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I want to buy one just because. Um. I've been purging and I'm getting rid of the last of like my I I don't know. I'm How how new is this thing? Um I don't is know. Is it new enough that you could buy one used is my question. Oh, that would be funny. <laughs> Shipping would probably cost more than the thing. Yeah, but you're not it's, it's otherwise it's a new thing, right? Aren't you not buying right, new things? Yeah, Are that's you back, true. I'm back on new no, things. No, I'm not officially back on new things. I haven't bought anything new, so I'm still within the jurisdiction of buying used but the my the soul is gone you know i'm uh, very much like thrill is gone <laughs> thrill is gone away from here <laughs> yeah bb king yep b b king uh for the the folks at home i'm gonna put in the show notes a few really great bb king videos <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, like once all the year. things we referenced this episode, but no, no, no just a few good BB <laughs> King videos. Um, yeah, good idea. I watch them like once a year. It's, uh, there's one, it's BB King, Shaka Khan, Gladys Knight, Etta James, uh, at like a, this BB King and friends concert in like the late eighties, early nineties. Um, and, they do ain't nobody's business and it's one of the greatest live performance videos i've ever seen in my entire life cool um and then the other one is a very old bb king probably 70 plus year old bb king who you can tell like he's sitting for the entire performance you know yeah yeah He's he's not standing he's an old cat uh and he plays thrill is gone hmm. um and he just starts out so low and slow, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like mostly you're just hearing the backing band going like, you know, mm-hmm. and then he starts to play like these very slow, very soulful bluesy, but very slow, 
kind of like yep you know here and there and he just builds this song for five minutes and then stands up and solos right at the end throws his pick into the audience and walks off stage it's amazing it's beautiful so those two bb king videos are going in the show notes that dude's an animal he was he's dead now that dude was an animal he was i missed the opportunity to see him one time i was uh trying blues is like the one area of music no one of the many areas of music i don't understand but it's it's like the one that i really should understand but i don't mm-hmm. um so i was trying to like crack open that box and was watching bb king videos and and uh watching videos of him sort of explain blues you know and blues guitar and his met like he's he his methods are simple like he's not a in your face um i don't know he's not uh what's the word um i don't know the word he's not shredding yeah he's not shredding it's yeah it's low and slow but but his technique is just amazing and innovative and incredible but I, i just love that he uses simple ingredients you know yeah yeah no it's incredible I learned when I was at camp, this is going to be uh, literally the first episode where we don't talk about programming. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> I was at camp when I was in high school, and someone taught me some stuff about the blues on a guitar. A um, couple of chords, a couple of little motions, right? And uh, from there, it all made sense. Hmm. So there's, you play guitar, so you know like a regular pentatonic scale? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you add in, I don't even know what these notes are called, but, uh, so you're three frets apart on the two high strings, right? Yeah. And if you add in the third fret on the string above that, yeah. um, that note is like super key. So I just like lean on that note all the time. If I'm like soloing over blues, um, it's, it's super key. And you land there a bunch. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it beyond that. There's just like little stuff where it's like there's certain keys or there's certain moments in like a 12 bar blues that you hit where like that note is the note that you need to carry you on to the next thing. Yeah. I, I've i learned the the blues pentatonic and the jazz pentatonic like forever ago. Um, never felt like it helps me. Like it helped, me. like, and I've learned the twelve, you, like twelve just, bar blues, have you like just one played, of the first like, the things. rhythm, the rhythm parts of stuff. I think my issue is I don't like any pop song, and by pop I mean like any country song, most R and B songs, most uh, like pretty much any song that's not blues or jazz, you know, mm-hmm. um, or classic rock, like not those songs, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, but any any like pop song you know it's very easy to see through whatever is dressing up four to six chords you know between two and six chords but you know so you can i can uh play any song without looking anything up because you just you know that i mean it's a simple formula and you get familiar with the formula so well that you can see the underlying structure of any pop song blues i don't see you know like there's a missing piece and i don't see it and i want someone to teach me how to see it you know Hmm. like i I, you could play a blues song i could grab a guitar and i could play the blues pentatonic and play notes that sound pretty good and it would sound Mm -hmm. 
decent and we could play a 12 bar together and whatever but if you play x bb king song hand me a guitar and say you know like identify these chords. play what, like, I, just play played. what I just played exactly yeah. i will have to sit there and listen Forever. to each chord i gotta manually. try that i'm gonna try playing a bb king song later today i'll try it and i'll see I might have the same problem you have, but have never tried the project you're talking about. Yeah, give it a shot. I, I mean, I'm sure it's just like any other music thing. There's a, an underlying structure you just have to know, and then you have the, then you can fish, and you're not eating Being fish. Being taught to fish <laughs> on ultimateguitar.com. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. All right, I got to wrap this up. I got a hard stop. Oh, good stuff. First episode, we don't talk good about code. Good stuff. Dug it. Not talking about code. Yeah. Maybe next week. Yeah. You know, I always fear talking to you because we have so little in common. It's like, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. No, there's literally nothing to, nothing nothing to talk, talk about. about. All right. All right. Cue outro music now. All right. It's got to be Thrill is Gone as the outro music. It's got to be. <laughs> All right.